0: Hey everybody, welcome back. This is another installment of Around with Stephen Cole. I'm T. Cole Newton. We're coming to you pre-recorded for my Mid City Bar 12 Mile Limit. With me as always is my
1: co-host. Steve Yamana. It's a uh, hurricane season here in New Orleans right now, uh, kind of scary weather outside, so uh, we're pretty uh, pretty glad that our guest was able to make it in here. Um, why don't you go and introduce yourself? It's a, a paragon a paragon of the mid-city community at this point, a staple during one of our favorite seasons. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hey,
2: everybody. I am James Clessy, and I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to getting into what we're... What, what, This whole podcast thing. (laughs) This whole podcast thing. We're still working
1: on getting used to this whole podcast thing, so don't feel too bad about that. All right, uh, James, why don't you go and start off, and um, for those who are unfamiliar with you or the great work that you do, uh, just go and start off by telling us a little about uh, yourself and who you are.
2: I own and operate a crawfish restaurant and catering service located right here in Mid-City, right on Bank Street. Uh, I grew up here. Went to Brother Martin. Went to grammar school in Bucktown, St. Louis, King of France. Surrounded by seafood my whole life, so I uh, it only made sense for me to do
0: this for a living. Cool. What What was your your start professionally? You said you was surrounded by seafood all your life. Were your parents? Did they do crawfish boils? Did they do other seafood boils? Or?
2: They They were. They were big into food, for sure. Growing up, we always had way too much food in
0: the house. That's the perfect amount of food to have in the house. Yeah. I mean,
2: they, both my parents are fantastic cooks. And uh, I uh, my first job was busting tables at a Copeland's. Oh. You Which know? <laughs> uh, Copeland's? Store number two, the one that's currently... Vacant on veterans. Okay, yeah. Uh, wow. At the end of the parade, right, right there. Right on, right on. And uh, I, I started out bussing tables and washing dishes, and worked my way up to waiting tables. And then
1: was that in high school?
2: Yeah, I was high school. So it's like sixteen years old, like ninety-five.
1: So cool. Um, so I really like that idea. Your parents were good cooks. My, my dad's a chef professionally. Um, okay. He was French trained. He's Japanese. And uh, when he moved to America, I think that was to pursue a cooking career. And he runs a couple of restaurants up in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's funny because my dad is an, is a fantastic cook and chef. Um when he comes home, he never wants to cook, of course. So uh, my mom is actually a very good cook as well. Um, There's still things that, like, um <laughs> you know, I miss what my mom would cook. It's like these certain meals and things like that. Just like, oh, my gosh, I wish I was, like, you know, I'm feeling kind of down. I wish I was home and my mom was cooking this for me and everything like that. So why don't you tell us some of, like, growing up as a New Orleans native, like, I'm sure, like, what well, my – mom would cook for me doesn't really compare to the kind of food that your parents would cook for you. So what were some of the examples of some of the food that you would grow up eating? Like what was something that you would, let's let's think about some comfort food like what was your favorite comfort food everyday meal and then your special occasion meal?
2: Well I could tell you this, my dad's a New Orleans native, he grew up right here in Mid-City. His parents were Italian uh, one of them was an Italian immigrant, the other one was born here in New Orleans in fact we found out uh, my dad's dad's birth certificate Uh, recently, he was born here in New Orleans, December 1st, 1884. Hmm. So, my grandpa was born in 1884. That was kind of wild. So, my dad kind of grew up during the Depression era. So, some of the things he used to make for us were, like, some of the comfort foods that they grew up eating... Like his spaghetti when my dad makes his red gravy he's got he he'll put sweet potatoes, pig feet in them, all sorts of crazy stuff yeah, yeah. But that's just how it was back then, so that's like now that was always something unique that i that when my friends came over and they saw like pig feet or pigtails on the stove, they'd run out the house screaming. <laughs>
1: They don't know what they're missing, and now people pay like a premium. Oh, yeah, yeah. To eat now that it's like, food, right? yeah, it's, Anthony it's Bourdain cuisine. Is just, yeah, like, you know, turned all that garbage meat into like you know prime and succulent food offerings. Yeah, that's totally. Crazy.
2: So that's one example for sure. And you know, we're a Catholic family. Uh, during Lent, we always abstain from meat. During Fridays, so uh, you know, we would have if we ate spaghetti on Friday, we would have like boiled eggs in them. Okay in the gravy and stuff like Rather. that, and yeah, sweet potatoes. Cool. Yeah, awesome. good stuff.
1: Awesome. So what would be a good example of like, uh, I don't know, like a Sunday meal or like a holiday meal or something like that? When was it when like your parents were just like no holds barred, no expenses spared, like let's have like a crazy meal? Uh, that,
2: that would be more my mom. Mm-hmm. During the holidays, she likes to put on, a 12 course dinner awesome like like everything from i'm talking oysters rockefeller to like creme brulee for dessert Mm. and like she'd make all the all us the children and the grandkids and the cousins all we're all now wait staff
1: if you're gonna eat you're gonna work
2: right oh man (laughs) like a, a, a different plate and a different fork for everything And, uh, she'd go all out. Like I'm talking rack of lamb, Mm. uh, just glazed pears and you name it, man. Just, you know, uh, rabbit sauce, pecan, Mm. uh,
1: I'd like to point out, I haven't eaten today, so This is just the perfect guest to have right? on today. Oh, <laughs> I hear you.
0: My family did a lot of my, my dad was a cook in that he just kind of threw stuff together, and my mom was a cook in that she could follow any recipe; she'd never have to make it before she could just follow any recipe and it would come out exactly as intended. In the um, but for a special occasion with food, I remember there were a, there was a year when one of my dad's childhood friends was going through a divorce, he was staying with us. And we never really saw him; we saw him maybe on Sundays and like would have like brunch together or something like that but it was never it was never around for for dinners and we always had dinner together as a family except on christmas so he moved in right before our first christmas and we had beef wellington for christmas cuz my mom loved to cook beef wellington okay. for special events i know it's like like the fanciest food Mm-hmm. Um In and like then, 1975. And then we basically didn't see him again for a year, and he showed up for Christmas dinner the next year, and it was Beef Wellington. It was just like, oh, God, Beef Wellington again? <laughs> Don't you guys do anything different around
1: here? There were lots of meals in between that Dad. Yeah, no, not for
0: him. It was just, he only showed up on Beef Wellington night. I, I like the second time
1: <laughs> he comes around, he complains about the food. He <laughs> basically, it's like, ah, uh-huh, uh,
0: what a little over. It, it was, I mean, it was all in good fun. Obviously. All right.
1: So you are, professionally, you cook for a living now uh, and cater, and and everything.
0: What was your first professional cooking gig? I, I want to we like to go through people's sort of trajectories to how they got to where they are. So you were you were a waiter at time, Copeland's. Like, where what do, do you go from there after you like were a server? the first time
2: somebody said, "Here's a knife and a skillet and cook people for the public." Mm-hmm. Like that first moment? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, why not? <laughs> man, I that was there was a short-lived uh, Brennan's operation on veterans called Foodies. I don't know if y'all remember that. It was like this my food time, emporium. Like it was like gourmet food to go. Okay, these big elaborate uh, display cases, and you could get you know suckling pigs or you know whole roasted duck to just just browse, pick it up, box it up, and just roll out with it. Or you could sit in a little cafe area, mm-hmm. and I was in charge of the. The I was under the platter chef, and uh, I had to do minor cooking, as in like just mostly just garnishing prepared food huh. and displaying it under the case. And then uh, and I wore chef chef's hat and a chef coat, <laughs> which was pretty, you know, because I wasn't really cooking anything, but I was I was putting my hands on food that people were eventually going to eat. Mm-hmm. And that uh, counts. Yeah, yeah. that's that's cooking. Yeah, totally, totally. And uh and then leaving New Orleans to go to college, I um my first job in college was boiling crawfish. Well, actually they wouldn't let me boil the crawfish. I was just picking up the garbage.
1: Okay. <laughs> Where'd you go to college at?
2: I went to Nickel State University in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Home of the Fighting Colonels.
1: Fighting <laughs> <laughs> Colonels. Oh yeah, just a whole bunch of Colonel Sanders, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> beating people with drumsticks. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. No, the, the named after Francis Francis T Nichols. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to get in all that, but uh, <laughs> that was a mascot that during my tenure left and mm-hmm. got changed to. It used to be a mascot. Used to look like you know this little this little guy in a gray suit. With a white beard and a sword,
0: and then he got turned into M. Bison from Street Fighter. <laughs> That's kind of rad. I like it. That's, I, the, uh, there's some debate about Old Miss doing the same thing because they were the rebels. And now they officially don't have a mascot, but the students wanted to keep the name of the Rebels and just change from, like, the, the Confederate soldier to Admiral Akbar. That was the a Rebels. Prank. Was that, what's real, that? That
1: wasn't really real.
0: It wasn't. Well, the, the students were all behind it. <laughs> like, I two know, or like, three students. <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> I still think they should have done it, is my point. I think there, there's, a, there's sort of a way to, to, to reappro like, there's nothing inherently wrong with being a rebel. <laughs> All trick <laughs>
1: plays, er, <it's> a trap. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, right on. So, so you, was this a professional business you were working for doing the uh, crawfish boiling business?
2: Yeah. Well, I um, I got to school. I was living in the dorms,
1: and
2: I didn't have a job. I want to rush in a uh, Russian fraternity, mm-hmm. and the elder members of the fraternity were like, "Hey, you need money." do what we all do we go work for heads and tails catering Mm. who which is owned by some of the alumni of the fraternity which is uh basically they do large state large scale catering for Mm. like corporate companies like power companies or offshore companies Mm -hmm. and it was an easy way to make some extra cash you know just to get through college life yeah and i remember my first job we were doing like Uh, like a family day party where it's like, I don't know, like 500 people and we're boiling crawfish and they gave me a, um, a dolly and they said, just follow up, just look for all the garbage cans full of crawfish shells and dump them. Mm hmm. And that's when I first started working with that company, and I wound up. And I still work with them. Okay, from time to time.
1: Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at some point, did you make the transition from picking up garbage, and all of a sudden they're like, "Okay, now you get to boil the crawfish." Yes, exactly. Cool. And
2: well, it was a cool job because it's it was catering. It was always if if I needed it or if mm. they needed me, they'd give me a call. If they needed extra people, or or if I needed extra money, I'd give them a call. But. I also worked at a pizzeria in Thibodeau, and I uh, I was I worked my way up to the kitchen manager over there, and then you know I was like twenty twenty one, so my priorities pre- weren't really set. I was pretty much just partying all the time. School was just non existent, <laughs> but I was on campus.
1: Did you graduate? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> same, yeah. same here. Yeah. I, uh, what'd you study?
2: I had several majors. My first major was... Um, I wanted I was in broadcast journalism, believe it or not. Mm. And then... Well, you you I, your first major. Hey, <laughs> it all worked out. Uh, <laughs> and then I switched to culinary. And then I switched to business. And then I switched to art. So... Goodness, what the, was uh,
0: your what was your preferred medium as an artist? I didn't realize you had that. Uh, that I I that mean bone. I've always
2: I've always uh, always enjoyed drawing, uh, cartoony stuff. You know, doodling when I should be paying attention in class, I was always just drawing.
0: So it like, makes sense to do that as a major. It's like if that's what you're doing in class anyway, right. I might As well, <laughs> get exactly. For that, and I, and
2: I was like, all right, I'll be uh, I'll take graphic design. This will be easy. It's just drawing, right? Did you do your own logo? For Klessis? I did not. I Actually, um, the logo for Klessis, uh I really like your logo. It looks like the Ween logo. It is, in fact, ween. an homage to the band Ween. <laughs>
0: okay. I'm glad I caught that. We know uh, how much you love a Ween on this I really show, do well. like Ween. I just don't think it's appropriate background music in a bar. Ween is my before. favorite
2: end-all, be-all thing on the planet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ween is really the only
2: thing I really geek out on. <laughs> I a had a, a friend of mine here, uh, lives here in... Uh, Mid city Andy Wallbacker. Uh I'll ever be f- uh grateful for his work on that logo. He he can eat free free catfish anytime he wants.
0: You always uh, said okay. free crawfish and he dialed it back a little bit. Okay? <laughs> 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 <Free> <laughs>
2: Danger craw- territory. Catfish. He just can have thing. free crawfish too. Cool. Uh,
1: so the uh culinary school up there, yeah, I know you said that was your yeah, second thing. C- that's John Foles' that right? yeah,
2: it's true. It's the John Foles Culinary Institute. Uh which He's is- a
1: character, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> I've never had the pleasure of meeting him. I
1: <laughs> had his own culinary school. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I well, I I, I did take. I uh, was my major for one semester, mm-hmm. but I was still taking all my maths and Englishes, and I didn't take. I was I didn't take a single culinary class okay. before I switched again. All right. <laughs> and like, like I said, I was I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going to school just to go to
1: school, just right. to party. I mean, it, college was fun. Yeah, college was a lot of fun. It it much, a, too much fun for me. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I didn't want to
2: leave. And then Tibetan is a cool town, too. Mm-hmm. And all the while, I'm trying to, like, scrape up money to go to school. What am I doing to pay my bills? I'm working in all these different restaurants. And I'm working in these different bars. What bars did you work
0: in? Or what kind of bars did you work in?
2: It, well, I worked in... Uh, there was there's a restaurant slash bar called Flanagan's and I would work in the bar side and then eventually I'd wait tables and then eventually they had me cooking there. So dad, I was like, in case of emergency, break glass, remove James, and I could do anything in the whole restaurant.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Which I just prepared you for now. Yeah, like I love <laughs> that.
2: That's one of my favorite restaurant uh experiences is working for Flanagans in Thibodeau. Hmm. Uh it was a it was a family atmosphere, everybody knew everybody, and I could literally do anything in the restaurant. And uh I loved it. I loved it. And uh yeah, so I mean I've been I just been working in restaurants. I'm trying
1: to think I,
2: I there's one point in time I'm not very proud of, but I'm about to say it on air. I worked at a Chili's for a year.
1: I worked at the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company for seven years. Okay. So, I, mean, <laughs> I got I got mad love for chain restaurants. I got into it recently online with somebody who was trying to disparage Dave and Buster's. And I was like, no, not having it. I was just like, you know what? I mean, I have no problem with chain restaurants.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it, it's just something about working. I mean, it was fun. Everybody was, you know, it was a bunch of bubbly little college students waiting tables.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And in the back, you know, a bunch of, you know, non- College students and uh, (laughs) (laughs) that intersection of yeah and, and and it was cool. I mean, it paid the bills. The menu had pictures of the food on it, which you know.
1: Looked better than when, the food when it actually came out. <laughs> exactly. And
2: the people say, I want that. And they' would just point at the picture, and i was say, like, yeah, of course, sir, I'll be right back with that. You know,
1: yeah, so when I was working at, at Bubba's, as we as we called it colloquially, um, <laughs> we uh, the weirdest complaint uh, I was managing. I used to travel around. I helped manage at a couple of these different restaurants, But I was in Chicago, and I got called over to a table that was very upset. And I was like, okay, let's get ready for it, you know. And the very liberal comp policy; you wouldn't have to say much to get something comped at at that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, just make the customer happy, right? Uh, the complaint was they they said the food did not taste the way the picture looked. Oh my. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, I just, I just I think like you know, in, in that kind of job, you just had this like this this veneer on, but that just melted when I heard that. I was just like, "Excuse me, what the fuck?" <laughs> I licked that picture, and it does not yes, taste I like did, that. It was a Scratch and smell menu, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Anywho.
2: yeah, it, it was cool. I mean, I, I mean, the tips were great, and I didn't want to work in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I was tired of was, at the time. I was just you know over the kitchen mm-hmm. because you get so much money in tips. Yeah, and when I plant at chilies, I'm like, yeah, I want to be a waiter. I don't. Wanna, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one day they had a meltdown in the kitchen, and somebody's like, I quit. I'm out of here. And they left, and they're like, oh, who's gonna who's gonna work the grill? I'm like, I I, I can I could probably help out get through the night. <laughs> and they're like, hey, James knows how to cook. All of a sudden, there goes my schedule. Oh, no. <laughs> like, and it's like, all of a sudden, I'm just in the kitchen again. Just
1: cooking up them baby back, baby yeah, back, baby
0: exactly. back. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I was exactly. in Charlottesville, Virginia last year for a wedding. And um, there was a point where it was one of those like afternoon before wedding activities officially kicked off. And it was with my wife and a couple of friends, and she decided she desperately needed queso dip. So we embarked <laughs> on a mission to find a Chili's, and we could not find a Chili's in Charlottesville, Virginia. We wound up at like a like a TGA Fridays or Ruby Tuesday or something like that, and actually had a very positive experience. But they didn't have queso dip, and it was a, it was a little disappointing. UVA is in Charlottesville, right? Yeah, yeah. And There's no Chili's, at least not close to the part of Charlottesville we were in. Huh. I don't know. It's You'd pretty think big. there's chilies everywhere. Pretty I feel like today. there's a Chili's within a, within five miles of. Every part of the United States. All right.
1: All right. I, I'm gonna just before we get back into the serious part of this uh, podcast. What is everybody's favorite chain restaurant?
0: Go Ooh. Uh, like fast food or like fast casual any, family any chain, style. Like, I mean, I do have a soft spot for McDonald's, but I really there's something about TGI Fridays that's just that particular kind of like. Even their burgers are kind of sweet. You know, it's like everything about it is, is sort of lowest common denominator, but in a way that totally works. And like, I I just, I, I, it's, I, it's, it's a little ironic. It's, that's not one of those things that I unironically appreciate that's not really well thought of. But like, I have a, a very fond, Place in my heart for TGI Fridays. Maybe it's because I went there before a school dance once in high school. <laughs> okay. It was like, that's, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> this <a> <laughs> ever, and ever soon. since,
1: yeah, it was just, that was the place. Uh, outback. Definitely on backstage. Ah, bloom onion, man? The, the crocodile the, the was supposed to be crocodile dundee themed restaurant, but Bloomin' onion, big rye bread loaf, salad, and uh prime rib. It's like the only place you can go that consistently can get a prime rib. It's probably the worst prime rib you can ever get, but still, I mean, you know, you can get a prime rib there.
2: <laughs> All right. I'm I'm racking my brain because I I I I can honestly say I've never eaten at Olive Garden. I can (laughs) honestly say I've never eaten at Olive Garden. I don't know if I've ever eaten at Applebee's. I don't know if I've. I know I've eaten at a TGI Friday. It It was an
0: Applebee's. That's where we wound up in Charlottesville, and it was legit. Honestly, I was pretty happy with it. Okay, (laughs) but
2: uh, my favorite. Some people may say it's fast food. I do not consider it fast food. I consider it. Life blood. It's Popeyes. Oh, oh Popeyes, is I great. Popeyes! I
1: forget Popeyes. Everyone loves Popeyes. That's I mean, just, yeah, that's it's a that's dinner. Real. I mean, that's I mean
2: <laughs> Popeyes. It's like, hey, what are we having for dinner tonight? Popeyes and and you, goes, you yeah. would have the like everybody <laughs> like, on the dinner table the whole spread and you would eat it like a family dinner yeah. would you do that with any other fast food would no. you say would you come home with a bunch of McDonald's and everybody <laughs> would gather around the table I don't know maybe if you did no offense but
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Just Oh man! Oh wait! I just thought of another one that I really like, but I can't remember right now. <laughs> We're just gonna talk about fast food. Yeah.
2: I'll confess right now. I um I fell asleep really early yesterday. Like especially one of those naps that was only supposed to last like a little bit. But I woke up at midnight, and I'm like, "What in the heck am I going to do it myself now? I'm starving." So I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll just I'll just hop over to the Interstate, go to Wendy's." Cause I like me, I like me a good yeah. Wendy's burger. I, I like, like the, Wendy's. Yeah, Yeah, Wendy's, you know, is, Wendy's is a good
0: burger. Yeah. They butter the buns. So I think that's a nice touch. Yeah, and I like the the square patties, and you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like you get more for your dollar. Though. Yeah, and
2: uh, and I'm I'm in line, and I'm like, you know what, I really want to, it's a Big Mac. <laughs> 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 so there's a McDonald's right across Veterans from the Wendy's. Yeah. So I was a, just a. Midnight glutton. So I got me a a triple stack, Dave, Dave triple stack, and then went across the street and got me a a Big Mac.
0: This is after, because I bumped into you yesterday at At Subway. Subway. (laughs) We were both getting a sub at the same time. (laughs) What's wrong with you (laughs) people? Subway's a good, not really good. Subway's a, it's, you can get a lot of food. There's vegetables it, it, for your dollar. It's, it's not well, bad. I'm glad. There's, to, there's I'm flavors. glad you brought that up. We're
2: talking about food, and especially in a city that's famous for our cuisine. I just wanted a subway.
1: Yeah. I didn't want no po' boy. I,
2: I just yeah. It's like it, it's really close to my house. It's really cheap.
1: <laughs> and five dollar footlongs. Yeah, exactly. I just not want. Anymore. I just
2: want substance. You know, like. Sometimes I wish you know I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure y'all are Futurama f- fans. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, and they always advertise Bachelor Chow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a big old bag of just like substance just to fill your gut. <laughs> I wish there was Bachelor Chow sometimes. Like I I get so hungry. I yeah. just want to fill the gut. You know, right. As it long doesn't as have to be cuisine. I'm I'm not a food. <laughs> there's snop. a
0: uh, there's something that uh, Costco sells these big bags. You can find them in smaller bags, but it doesn't it just doesn't feel the same. But they sell something called somersaults, which are these sort of like biscuit pellets with ses- not sesame seeds, it's like uh, pumpkin seeds or something like that. Sunflower seeds. There's some sunflower seeds and this like dense biscuit form is like an inch wide and it definitely feels like bachelor chow. It's like <laughs> it's if you look at the ingredient if you look at the list, it's like this is actually pretty well balanced. It's got some protein, it's got some fats, but not too much. It's got some you know like carbs but it's all like whole grain carbohydrates. It's like this is just food. It's like yeah. a bag of food in pellet form. It's, it's the closest I found a bachelor chef. Well, so. I need to go find some. Yeah, of go that. get some summer salt. They're addictive too.
2: i oh, I have a hunger thing sometimes. I'm a slave to my stomach. Once, mm. once I'm yeah. Once the stomach says go, I'm, I'm I I can't. I have to obey. <laughs> oh,
0: cheesecake factory. That place is amazing. Oh, get out Their, their novel size <laughs> menu. They no. can execute most of it pretty well. Oh, no. it's, it's really good. Sp- and their cheesecakes fucking so taste When cake. you have
1: like <laughs> 300 items on the menu, you know what that means? You have 300 things that you can kind of put out. I mean, it's just. I, I it's like everything you. is just. They, like...
0: Everything they do is competent. Uh, None of it's amazing. <laughs> all of it is competently executed. And that, in and of itself, when you have a 300 item menu, is incredible.
1: And the buildings are garish. Just, just, hideous. they look like, <laughs> they look like, uh, failed. They, they look like a knockoff. Beauty and the Beast theme restaurant. Like, here's the grand <laughs> ballroom. It's pretty it's so elaborate one. Rococo architecture <laughs> like, we're talking about. It's just, I mean, have you seen just like chandeliers and like, you know, columns? It's just like, why do they make those restaurants so cavernous? Yeah, they should obscene.
0: They should make them factory themed. It should be all industrial and sparse. Well, so I think that would that be a like, lot of fun. Like, the clank, fucks, clank, cheesecake.
1: Fucks with me is just like, you know, it's Cheesecake Factory, right? Like, what should that be? It's like, oh, it's the place they make cheesecakes. They don't make the fucking cheesecake. Cheesecake there. They garnish the cheesecake there. It comes from someplace else frozen. Man, you The gotta, one thing. This
0: is, this is where you're drawing your line in the sand. I Outback, just, great. Chili's, cool. Cheesecake factory, get out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they serve Foster's at Outback. I feel that's very Australian.
0: <laughs> Foster's is made in Canada. <laughs> you're
1: made in Canada. <laughs> Okay. All right. What, so what, let's see. We what got what up we through we got up
0: through Chili's in your professional <laughs> history. Where, All right, where'd yeah. you go after that? When would you move back to New Orleans? So how, how long were you I, in? How long were you in your so, college town? So
2: I stayed in Thibodeau for eight years. How much of that were you in school for? Oh, uh, I took a semester off here and there because after a while, you you know, if you, you if you had bad grades, you were forced to take like a semester off. So I took a few semesters off and. uh I was I was a terrible student. I am I will openly admit that I am a terrible terrible student. If you put me in a classroom in a desk, I'm screaming inside of my head. I just can't I can't. I'm just. But uh, well, I stayed in Thibodeau for eight years, and then I moved back to New Orleans in 2007. And I didn't do food right when I came back. Right when I came back, I uh, worked with. Uh, Family friends, the trees out of Chalmette, and uh, St. Bernard was still looking pretty rough after the storm. So we did a lot of uh, contractor work and just a lot of hammer swinging and stuff. And then I did that for, I don't know, a year or so. Moved back to Metairie, where my dad resides. And, um,. Remember me mentioning I worked for Heads and Tails Catering out of Thibodeau, the big corporate catering company. They get contracts for disasters. Talking about hurricane season, whenever a hurricane or ice storm or tornado would knock out over 250 or 300 households slash units, the local government will hit a panic button. Mm -hmm. And all these people come in to fix the problem. All so the telephone poles are down, and the first thing you need back is electricity. So all the union workers would come down, or non-union workers, depends on whatever we were, wherever we were. And uh, the logistic people would bring in tent people, generator people, porta-a- potty people, mobile shower people, laundry people. We were the food people. Mm. We would pack up and go to any state, get ready and like feed like 2,000 workers, breakfast, lunch and dinner, nonstop till the job was done. And um, we had a few storms when I moved back. I think Gustav was one of them during that era. And then a couple of ice storms, obviously, up north. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even did Hurricane Sandy, we went all the way up to Long Island. And we stopped everywhere along the east coast to feed people till we finally got to Long Island where mm-hmm. we fed Seventeen hundred people with a crew of nine. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. we were just not sleeping. We were just like, uh-huh. ah, yeah.
1: that's crazy with those disaster things as well too, because you get paid the whole time. It's like twenty four hours of pay, isn't that? Oh my goodness, like it's. Um, I travel. mean,
2: don't get me wrong. It's a. It's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It's a very fulfilling way to make your dollar. Mm-hmm. It's an adventure too, because mm-hmm. you pack. You get that first call, and it's like, all right, now you're on standby pay. Mm. And then you pack your duffel bag. You go to go to the corner store. Load up on your toiletries. Mm-hmm. Get a big old thing a gold bond, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then you get another call. Okay, get to the shop. And then you, everybody just camps out at the shop waiting for that the next phone call of like, hit the road. We need you on the road now. You're on road pay. Mm-hmm. And then when you're out there, I mean, I was I make make a. I've been doing enough storms now where I've gotten to the place on the totem pole where I, I don't want to say how much I make, but I make a, a healthy amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I'm now back living with my dad, working an occasional storm or ice storm, dad's not charging me rent. Dad's not <laughs> charging me utilities. I just got a pocket full of money. And I'm fresh back in New Orleans, (laughs) and uh, I discover this organization called KOCC.
0: (laughs) That's Kickball of Crescent City. For those who may not be aware, one of one of New Orleans' three adult kickball leagues at this point. What's the
1: other one? It's Waka and
0: Waka. Oh, there's a. I think Planola has a has a kickball league.
2: It's taken over the country. It's it's a phenomenon. But that's a whole nother conversation. So I was this party, party, party. And um, I want to say I was encouraged by a young lady to grow up and get a job. And I went and filled out an application at Rue 127. Okay. Uh, by Chef Ray Gruski. And uh, he, that was that was a great experience. That was a lot of I did a lot of fine dining and cooking that I've never done before. I was the garmanger, manger, which is the pantry chef, uh, mostly garnishing and preparing the desserts that the baker, the pastry chef would make, but I would sir, I would prepare. She would make them, and then I would heat them up and garnish them and make them. I'd make all the sauces. And I'd also be in charge of everything in a pantry. I'd make all the salads, all the little starter appetizers. And it was a cool job. And I learned, uh, learned about a lot of good stuff. And uh, Holophone, I forgot about a whole another job I did. I catered <laughs> for the movies for like two years. Oh, that was quite the experience. Catering for a movie set versus catering for a hurricane disaster scene I'll take the hurricane disasters. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like, imagine people are a lot more grateful that you're there.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> maybe a lot less picky. Oh my goodness! Now I don't want to knock the organizations that hired me or the people I served, but that's a different breed of people. That just the whole movie world, the whole movie, like that's a rough. That's a rough lifestyle, because that's like you. You get enough time to go home. To just like sleep and then come right back and do it all over again, mm. and a lot of people, like you said, are very picky. A lot of people refuse to eat what the catering service has <laughs> available. Yeah, so they'll they'll either send their assistant to the chef and say, "Uh, Mister So and So would like you to prepare this today for his lunch."
1: I, l- I like your PA voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or or they would just. Mr. Clooney would like this. Yeah, yeah exactly. What like, was
0: the what was the biggest movie you worked on? Oh man. Uh, work, uh, like Green Lantern? I feel like during that age that was the biggest blockbuster that was going uh, down here.
2: I did the longest one we did was a TV show for USA, Characters Welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it was a show called Common Law. It was like like these two guys were like partners and the police force and they didn't get along with each other, but they solved crimes. And that got canceled after a year.
1: Uh was it the food? I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, I worked on the uh Will Ferrell movie in Zach Alfan Zach Galifianakis, uh the campaign.
1: Okay. Oh yeah.
2: That was fun. That was cool, man. Yeah. Like I you know uh that was that was a good experience. I worked on uh I tell you the movie that made me quit, that made me say I don't want to do this anymore. Was when I worked on that movie, The Butler.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah I heard that shoot was kind of kind of crazy. The,
2: I, I, every, I remember everybody on set, even from the carpenters to like the old veterans, have been doing this like their whole life. said, I've never been on a movie set like this in my life. Mm. I don't know. This is this is one crazy.
1: That was the same shoot where uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was down here and like hit a uh, bartender. Or something yeah, like that, something right? like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, Goodness. people love that movie Was though. it the that food? Was... <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. I don't... <laughs> Dude, I remember uh, I was in charge of feeding the extras. Uh, and
2: uh we uh we did, the chef told me he goes, "All right, the um the director didn't want the extras hanging out with the rest of the um cast, cast and crew." So it was it was Why? a i don't know it all every other movie everybody ate together and i don't know, I don't know. this the, the director was an eccentric of sorts i guess uh so chef told me all right we got 80 extras on this part of town here's the truck i'm giving you exactly 80 biscuits exactly 80 sausages exactly 80 i'm like chef you know these people are gonna grab as much as they can fit on their plate. He goes, yeah, "That's not my problem." They, 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 you know, talking about his the powers that be that he has to deal with. He's like, "If they want it like this, they're gonna get it like this." I'm like, "But, but hey, hey, me, I, I'm I'm gonna be the bad guy." And sure <laughs> enough, I set up all this food and I cook up all this breakfast, and here come the extras. And like, sure enough, like the first few people grabbing like five sausages. Eight biscuits, and I'm like, and then like half the people don't have any food, and I got all these people screaming at me, and I'm the only person I'm like, I don't like this anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: uh, Uh, that was a rough one. All right, so you were doing film catering, disaster catering, you were also doing fine dining at Rue 127, correct? And And then, yeah, and 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 playing kickball, and playing kickball, yeah. What team you play for? You still play Cobra Kai,
2: yeah, I'm still an active member. I still uh, am a due-paying member. It's more
0: of a social club, really. Sure, sure. It's a drinking uh, club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we have a kickball team. Uh, we're, we're the Shocker Bar. Yeah, uh, yeah oh, yeah. Been- y-
2: y'all are famous for y'all's... Uh, the Shockers are famous for their cuisine. And this okay. is always... Uh, yeah, this is always a big
0: food party. Is always that 12-mile limit. Hmm. Glad to hear we have that reputation. Yeah, big time. Not, and not for amazing people.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was that one incident. Yeah.
0: We talked about that last week. Lucinda Weed was here. She was our bar back that night, actually, and she still talks now more fondly perhaps than when it was recent <laughs> about that time we all got mace at twelve mile. I,
2: yeah, it's a it's a it's a real fun organization. It's uh uh the actual physical sport of kicking that red rubber ball around is like two percent of the whole pie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh you know, and I not play as much as I used to, but I'm still gonna pay my dues. I'm still gonna get my jersey because mm-hmm. it, it's uh you know I during my lag time when I wasn't working much, I was really involved with the 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 league. I, I was um I was helping out with a lot of the social events, a lot of the setting up and breaking down, you know, and just mm-hmm. you know doing like the the twenty percent work that the eighty percent enjoys. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's jump forward a little bit. Um. Uh, so you had all this experience going in. Um, did you start catering at first doing crawfish boils and then the opportunity came to open up your own restaurant or how did you end up with this restaurant on bank street? I guess.
2: So I don't know if you, I mean, I'm sure y'all remember there was a period of time where a lot of the bars in mid city had like these dormant kitchens
1: mm-hmm there's okay. okay. still a whole bunch of bars throughout New Orleans. There's just kitchens that just, are not used. And
2: they're perfectly good kitchens. They yeah, got, it's they got hard hood, to get
1: them
0: up to code. They, we got,
2: have, they, they got, get, got hood, hood vents. vents. They, they got three compartment sinks. They got everything. If you just need some elbow grease and some people in there just to clean it up, and you'll have a kitchen. Yeah. And then you'll have a separate LLC walk into the building, make a deal with the bar, Pay rent to the bar, and then you could have your own little restaurant inside of an existing
0: bar. Mm-hmm. I feel like we were on the forefront of that. I'm not to toot my own horn too much, but I feel like getting a nice, not just to the like the Cisco Burgers that everyone had, right? But actually have a nice, well conceived food program housed within a bar that were sort of only at the time we're only sort of semi related businesses. Like we did that. We did that seven years ago, and since then, Killer Po' Boys and. Uh, rum in the lash, and Tana Treo, and there's just a there's a Absolutely. ton of people doing that exact same model now, and I think I don't remember anyone doing it before us, though, to be perfectly honest.
1: No, yeah, it's
2: not just microwavable pizzas and uh, like
0: you said, you know,
2: cheese fries. It's it's, yeah. it's people who are making restaurants inside yeah. of bars, and I uh, I tried working with several different bars. Uh several different business plans and uh for one reason or the other it just didn't work out. We didn't see eye to eye or it just didn't just didn't come to fruition. Did I say that right? Fruition? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that was a good movie too at Tom Hanks, the <laughs> Road to Fruition. Perdition. Perdition. Or I don't know. One of those issues. I never saw that, but was that good?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, <laughs> sorry. he didn't like it? It was a graphic novel, it was pretty good, but uh not it. That anyway. was like Paul Newman's last movie. Okay. Anyway. I think Paul Newman's last movie was Cars. i I sorry. Way off track. Edit, yeah. Out. Yeah. <laughs> all
2: right. So um I got I just got frustrated to the point where I'm like, gosh darn it, I wanna I wanna I wanna do my thing. Mm-hmm. So what kind
0: of food were you trying to do in these bars? Was it was it boiled seafood m- like
2: you're doing mo- now? Mostly seafood, fried seafood, boiled seafood. Uh oh.
1: Jambalaya,
2: New Orleans. Yeah, you know crawfish
1: pie. Feel like gumbo? You
2: got it. <laughs> you got it. The, the whole the whole shtick. Uh, and our my first few gigs were uh, the nice people at Finn McCool's allowed me to set up shop, even though they had their own food operation going on. Okay. They had Buku Barbecue right at the time, and they'd let me come out once a week and do crawfish and I would go out there, I'd sell some crawfish, and then next week I'd come out with crawfish and jambalaya, and then next week I'd come out, I'd, I'd stay up all night, make a bunch of crawfish pies, I'd have crawfish, jambalaya, crawfish pie, mm-hmm. and then I brought the grill out, and I was marinating wings, and I was like, I didn't have a food truck, I had a Suburban, but the stuff I could fit in that Suburban, <laughs> I would have uh, a uh literally a menu of... uh Grilled wings, grilled boudin, bold crabs, bold crawfish with all the sides, sausage, corn, and potatoes, mm. crawfish pies, jambalaya. Uh, yeah. And I'd do it all by myself. I'd make this little 10 by 10 tent surrounded by tables. Uh, I had ordered a banner that said my name. Classy's Catering. Real creative. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of rolls off the tongue. I think yeah. it works. Um uh, I had my little money box, my little square, and I'd go out there and I'd sell until I sold out. I'd load it all up. And, uh, and I had made myself a little LLC. And uh, I, had, I did it all, you know, started saving up some money. And then I started hitting up other bars. And then before I knew it, I'd, I was doing gigs all over the city, mostly with the crawfish during crawfish season. Mm-hmm. Uh, And once Mid-City Pizza, which was once located behind Bank Street Bar, they acquired the building that used to be Crescent City yeah. Pie and Sausage. Right. Well, when they moved across the street, I jumped on their old spot, like just jumped on it, you mm-hmm. know, and said, hey, look, I got this menu. I, this is my menu. This is what I want to offer. This is where I can think. Of, I, this is I think it's a good fit. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah, and it worked out. And I finally got my. It's my first brick and mortar. Awesome. address. Got a building. Cool. How What's long have
1: y'all been open for?
2: We have been open there for two years, four months, through <laughs> uh, th- two weeks and six days. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good student, you say. <laughs> I used to have it down pat. I uh what's say? It like the the 20, 21st, 21st, yeah. So so that's 3 weeks. Oh. <laughs> so, you know. wow. So it's 2 years, 4 months and 3 weeks. Cool.
0: Yeah, that's the congratulations. And yeah. you got you got a lot of acclaim over there. Like what you've you got I mean there was uh, the the Star Chefs thing. You got uh, Red notice for right the uh, was that Am I thinking of something else? I'm trying to to think of some of the accolades that you've gotten over the years. I've been very humbled.
2: Uh, We have been creating quite the buzz, I guess you could say. We're getting on more and more people's radar. Uh, We've been on a couple little travel shows like we're here in New Orleans and when in the world you gotta get crawfish. We're here at Klessy's in now I'd be like, hey guys, this is how I eat crawfish. I
1: think I heard Kirsten Dunst was over there uh eating crawfish. Not Kirsten
2: Dunst, Reese Witherspoon. They're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> they actually came over here to twelve mile yeah. limit.
0: This that's how we met, actually. There was a there was a film crew in town. They were doing a travel show and they wanted to do a crawfish boil at a bar. Uh for whatever reason Finn McCools couldn't do it that day, so we were sort of I guess next in line geographically if nothing yeah, else right down the street. they
2: wanted to see they they were interested in in fact how I started by kind of like scooting around the city in my truck uh, boiling crawfish
0: and that's how we met up I was yeah. like
2: well 12 mile limit we'll see if yeah we could do that and I
0: remember I was kind of like the, the producers kind of they put me in a, a bad position. You helped me get out of it, too, so I really appreciate it. But that's one <laughs> of the reasons I was like, oh, yeah, this is James Class. He's a good guy. is because they set up a situation where they were like, okay, here's what we want you to do. We just need to get you a crowd of people. We're going to give away free crawfish. We're just going to get it on film. It's going to be like on a Sunday afternoon. So I was like, all right, I, I can turn out a crowd of people for free crawfish on a short notice. That's oh, not a problem. So I got a crowd of people out, and they brought over like, a few, a few pounds of crawfish and they gave away <laughs> crawfish to you know the first dozen people in line before they ran out. And then they were like, okay, great. We got the shots we need. We're going to get out of here. Ooh. And there was like a oh, crowd it. of people. Were like, Oh, man. The fuck? Oh, so yeah. People were upset. Yeah. So, but James here, to his credit, he was just like, oh, don't worry about it. He went back to his shop, got like a big, cooler of crawfish, brought them all back and made sure everyone that was still here oh. got all the crawfish they wanted. Yeah. It was really, it fucking saved the day for us. I
1: really yeah, I
2: remember it. there was one <laughs> young lady who was very, Very upset. (laughs) She
1: was very upset. She was enunciating her syllables. (laughs) She
2: was raising hell. This is such a fabricated piece of garbage. I will never, I will never patronize your establishment. This was so, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll get you more crawfish. Ah.
1: Did, did she like, stick around for more crawfish I,
2: i've never seen leave. her again in my she life never, <laughs> she
1: has never patronized we both the lost the customer
0: did you lose
1: somebody you wanted to lose i
2: mean, <laughs> I I mean she was yikes
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right i think that's uh actually a really perfect transition something i wanted to kind of wrap up here with um so broad question what does crawfish mean to new orleans crawfish boils in new orleans i think there's that a. Uh, that shirt, um, maybe it was Storyville or one of one of the T-shirt companies. The, the, the season shirt, yeah, the season shirt that like New Orleans seasons are. Uh, it's Saints season, yeah, football season,
0: football season yeah. carnival season, Saint crawfish season. Crawfish <laughs> se- okay, sorry. Saints, <laughs> Saints season, carnival season, crawfish season, and festival season. Snowballs, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, snowballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh snowballs. snowballs, oh snowballs. snowballs. That's summer. I got. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that's I, the first time I saw that shirt, and it's just like you know they don't say anything. It's just like pictures of things. It's just like that is. Fucking perfect. <laughs> that is like I know that is basically the first three years of my life in New Orleans. Like you know, back at the turn of the of the millennium. Yeah, when um, the, the Saints were a huge deal for everyone. Right, right, right. It was like uh, that was all those things were like. Ah, oh, these these are the things I love about this city, um, and I think that like crawfish boils are just like. Really awesome, like just because you know, like there's so much that can go into it. People do it different ways. Like um, they bring people together. Like crawfish isn't expensive. Like the equipment to boil crawfish isn't that expensive, really either. Um, So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, guys,
0: just crawfish as an institution. Yeah, why why is crawfish such a big deal down here? Mm -hmm. People
2: love crawfish. People love tradition. People love sharing their traditions with people from out of town. I can't tell you how many people I get at the restaurant who are bringing in guests or visitors or family or friends from out of town and just the wonderment of eating the crawfish and showing them how to peel it and eat it. It's it's like it's it's ours. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's one thing that we have that it's just people love it. And the locals, too, are just they got to have it. They got to yeah. have it people really go just absolutely nuts for crawfish and especially if you get to be an ambassador of your your city and show people from somewhere else all of a sudden you're you're the one saying let me show you i'm i'm i'll show you how to do this magical thing of eating crawfish
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. uh and from what i understand uh crawfish here in the city really didn't get that much, get that popular until like the 60s really yeah okay i didn't th- i I, I, didn't th- I now i'll i'll want someone to hear this and then call back and <laughs> correct <laughs> That's me shit about crawfish. yeah <laughs> who the heck is he say yeah exactly but like uh from what i understand al Scramuza, uh the crawfish you know king the legend he was really responsible for making crawfish popular in the city of new orleans mm-hmm. and um he was famous for his commercials uh seafood city yeah uh but yeah, i mean it's uh nowadays more and more people everybody knows how to bowl crawfish now yeah i've I, Not well. Not everybody I does like i't well I feel like even when I got in the game, uh more and more people are becoming amateur uh crawfish boilers mm-hmm. and which i i think it's great it's great i think it's awesome yeah. It's 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 part of our you know it's part of our tapestry of new orleans right uh uh now i remember reading something in some kind of uh magazine saying that the production of new crawfish is like more than quadrupled
1: mm over the last few years. Well, that's a question that I had as well. So, you grew up here. What was crawfish season? What is crawfish season to you? Like I feel like I've only been here for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's like crawfish season has extended both sides. Like like now you get crawfish in December, which like, yeah. you know, when I first came down here, nobody ate crawfish in December. And now people are eating it all the way to like late July. It's like nobody ate crawfish in July. Exactly. What, when I, when I was
2: little, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, uh, no, no. Do you think When I was little, I mean I remember my family might have Two or three crawfish boils a year. Mm-hmm. We would have, we definitely have one for the Irish Time Parade down Veterans because we, it's, we grew up a block off the parade road, and that was tradition. We'd always have a crawfish boil for Irish Time Parade. Mm-hmm. Now our neighbors and friends would hang out in our front yard, and that was like one of the three boils we would have all year. Now it <laughs> seems like people uh, do it every weekend.
1: Yeah, every weekend. Yeah.
2: And more and more people are going out and buying the equipment mm-hmm. and doing it and learning it and realizing, hey, I could do this. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, it is the seasons are getting longer. Mm-hmm. I did my first boil of the season December first.
1: Okay. Wow. At the
2: restaurant, <laughs> wow. like at the <laughs> restaurant, I had December first crawfish. Come on, come on and get it.
1: Christmas crawfish, mm, yeah, the it
2: miracle. Yeah, <laughs> I had, we had little pictures of craw- uh, crawfish with Santa hats on. And the
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, did, you, did you ever hear that story about about people moving down from Acadia, the Cajuns, and uh, that that the, the Acadia being sort of Maine and Nova Scotia, sort of the northeast parts of the United States and the southeast parts of Canada? That's where the Cajun people come from. They were a French population that got displaced and they were all eating lobster up there and the legend that i heard and i don't know how actually entrenched this is in lore or if it's just something people say nowadays is that the lobsters that they were eating up there decided to take the trip with them when they got displaced i can't i don't even know why they left i don't know enough about cajun history but they 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 took the long trip down around the around the around florida and wound up settling in the louisiana uh, in southern Louisiana, and that's that's where the Cajun people came from. It's derived from the word Acadian, and the lobsters decided to come with them. But the trip was so hard that it took a lot out of them. And by the time they got down here, those big old lobsters were just a little crawfish. But they're still just as delicious, and people they 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 eat them to this day. Or the the mini harrowed lobsters that came down as a part of this journey with the Cajuns. Have you uh, heard of this? I've never I've, heard of it. I, I, that sounds kind of like a fairy tale. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly it's not what actually happened. Pretty sure there were I, crawfish here already. Heard but... a fever dream last night? <laughs> like, like, that's of that. just what I heard. <laughs>
1: that's Somebody's rocking in a, in a rocking chair on a porch at a crawfish boy's like, <laughs> well, come I'm, sit here, young cold dude. Let me tell you where <laughs> crawfish came from.
0: Yup. That's, right that's how it happened. Cool.
1: Um, okay, well, that's, that's, I just have so much to digest off of that one story. Cool. Uh, so uh, one thing I appreciate about your crawfish, especially, James, uh, is that, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things about, like, Cajun cooking, uh, especially when people, like, come down here, you know, New Orleans is a Creole city when it comes down. Mm-hmm. People don't know that distinction between Cajun and Creole. They're right. like, I oh. want Cajun Creole food. It's like, well, those that's, are two yeah. different things you're asking sort for. Of opposite of the spectrum, um, really. So with crawfish boils and like a lot of other things, like people say, we're going to go to get this at a restaurant, uh, typically my answer would have been like, you don't, you just don't, like you don't get jambalaya at a restaurant. I mean, there's no restaurant that I know of right now in the city that makes good jambalaya. And do you want that jambalaya that's been sitting on a steam table all day? Probably not, right? Uh, but your crawfish is excellent. And one of the things I like about it is you're not shy with the spices. Like that is spicy, tasty crawfish. And I think most restaurants, especially if you're in the quarter and all your businesses coming from like Minnesota and like the Midwest and you know up north where they can't handle that spice sometimes, they gotta kick it back a lot, you know. Right. So um yeah, so uh I, I don't want to delve too much into what your your secrets are to what makes good crawfish, but uh what are some of the do's and don'ts that you would say like, you know, if somebody's boiling at home or somebody wants to get into this and maybe they're having a hard time with it, what are things that they need to kinda consider?
2: Well one thing and this goes with all cooking. You can always see, you can, you can't unseason food. (laughs) You can season food, but once you season it, you can't unseason it. So if you put too much salt in there, you can't, like, unsalt it unless you dump the pot and start over again.
1: (laughs) That's an expensive mistake to make. (laughs) Yeah, it is,
2: and it's a pain in the butt, and... uh, you got to know your measurements. You got to know what you take. You got to just constantly taste it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell everybody. Just know I don't have a timer. I can't tell you it's going to take five minutes on this and ten minutes on that. I always say never leave the pot. Don't abandon your pot. Keep, always stay right there. Keep an eye on what you're doing. Make sure you, you're, you're boiling clean crawfish. You don't want to throw a bunch of muddy, ugly, dirty crawfish in there with dead frogs and fish in it. mm mm-hmm. uh, Purge your crawfish good, and you don't need salt. I'm pretty sure everybody's come to learn that now. Yep.
0: I, I, well, I, most most crawfish boils that you get at the store are gonna have plenty of salt in them. Well, well, yeah. i to purge them.
1: There was this oh, thing you about like purging them with salt. Yeah yeah, 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 For
0: years and years and years, everybody
2: said you had to purge them with salt. They would puke up their guts and everything. Right. right? That's what they would say. But <laughs> they um that that got I want to say a few years ago like a scientific study. They put it out and said, like, no more salt. No more salt.
0: <laughs> so you're really just, you're just giving them a bath. You're yeah, giving water. them a
2: bath. And uh, you can see little particulates floating around in sure. there. And you flush the water till the, uh, the the water turns crystal clear. Or however whatever method you use to purge your crawfish. And um, make sure they're all alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you start with your pot. You want to uh, measure your seasoning out. I'll, I'm basically want, per sack, four and a half pounds of your favorite blend.
1: Nice. Mm. Mm. Yes.
2: I like to go a little bit more. I'll go about five or six pounds. And bless you for that. <laughs> of, <laughs> of my favorite blend. Yeah. And you get it up to a boil. Now, I'm not talking about the potatoes and the corn and the sausage. I'm talking about strictly the crawfish. Mm-hmm. Get it up to a boil put your crawfish in once it comes back up to a boil again turn off the fire cool it down throw your frozen corn in there mm-hmm. people say why don't you why are you using the frozen corn why don't you use the fresh corn well my first year operating I was buying big crates of fresh corn and shucking them and cutting them and it's the quality just so not the frozen corn so much better yeah Frozen yeah. corn and and it 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 serves a, a a purpose. It cools down your crawfish to stop the cooking process, mm. and it, and the kernels don't shrivel up and they're sweet
0: and they're delicious. Yeah, yeah people use fresh corn in the crawfish. I always it comes out like mealy,
2: yeah, kind of and like the, chewy heart. and yep. weird. The, yeah. the, the kernels shrivel up yeah. and it's just like, blech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm pro frozen corn all the way. Uh, and then you can hose down the outside of your pot with a hose. Some people dump a bag of ice in the pot of water. That's not I hey I've had some that people do it and it was delicious. That's just not my style. Mm. I like to hose out the outside of the pot enough until you hose the pot, you you can see that water evaporate in an instant and the pot becomes dry. And once you get it where you can run that hose around the pot and that pot stays wet and you can hose that pot and say, like, your ABCs real fast, and it still stays wet, you've cooled it down enough. <laughs> and you want that crawfish to sink, because once you boil them, they all rise above that water line. Mm-hmm. You want to move them around a little bit. Don't want to break them up. Don't want to mash them up with your paddle, but gently bring the crawfish from the bottom of the pot up to the top. Let them steam. You can see a big cloud of steam come off. Once that steam kind of settles, push it back down and do it again. Just all release right. all that heat. All that heat out of there, mm-hmm. and uh, the more they soak, the more flavor they get. And you're constantly tasting the crawfish, constantly taste it, mm. and you want that tail meat to pop right out the shell.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You want to cool them down. You don't want them to keep cooking, or they they won't come out the shell too good. You got the you could have the best ingredients, the best equipment, but if you cook them too long or cook them too short. You, you just got a big pile of mess. Yeah. You know, it ain't worth a damn. Yeah. You want, you want that, that tail meat to really pop out the shell real good.
0: There's a trick to when you add your lemon, too. You don't add it at the beginning of the I boil. I do not like add it. Do. When, I, you, when I you put add, lemon in yours?
2: I put my lemon in during the soak. Mm. And it just made sense to me. And it, it, like it, if, I'm no scientist. I don't think I have to prove that to <laughs> anyone. <but> I, <laughs> I, uh, I used to put the lemon in prior to the boil. And I remember one day, I was like, oh, Chucks, I forgot to put the lemons in. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just put them in at the end. And I'm like, wait a second. I could taste the lemon.
1: It <laughs> doesn't cook all the citrus flavor. Yeah, yeah, I
2: didn't boil it all up. And then it's like during the soak. So while the crawfish are soaking, they're soaking up that lemon juice. Hmm. And it just makes so much more sense to put your citrus in at the end. Cool. Hmm. And that's just how I do it. Like I said, if there's some crawfish scientists out there listening to this podcast... Please call me and tell me the what's going on. If I'm saying something different, or if I'm saying something wrong,
1: it is it is one of, one of those kinds of things that will upset many crawfish purists. It's so funny how like people have different things, like the cooler technique that a lot of people do in the West Bank, where it's like you take your crawfish and then you pour it into a cooler and let it like heat up or cool down in there. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't
2: know. Yeah, like, there, there's some way. There's some people that uh they'll have a pot of seasoned water. That's cold, yeah. mm-hmm. and they'll boil in one pot, and once they get it up to a boil, they'll take it out that pot and let it soak in a cold pot. Huh? And I—I hmm. I mean, heck, makes sense to me. Yeah. Sure, I'm not brave enough to try it. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to do it my way. Yeah, and, and it works. And and another thing too, people come. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm 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 really happy that this has become a real substantial business. And I have people come up to me, and they say, oh, man, I went to so-and-so's, and it was so good. I say, stop right there. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. If you like my crawfish, thank you. I appreciate the compliment, but you don't have to come and badmouth at somebody else. Mm. I bet that crawfish tastes just as good. It's just a little different. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's grandma makes the best gumbo. Mm-hmm. And I bet you everybody's grandma's gumbo tastes totally different from everybody else's. Yeah. You know, it, true. It, everybody does a good job. Everybody just does it a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a couple of crawfish competitions, and it was fun. It was, you know, for, like raise money for charity and stuff. But to uh, be honest with you, I don't care for competing uh, for crawfish. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are like, why don't you sign up for those? Craw-? I'm like, I don't I I like I, no, I'm good.
1: Cool. All right, one last question, and then we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, so weird things in crawfish boils. Thoughts on that? It's like some yeah, you people, don't, are you like, don't
0: put a lot of, you don't put like pineapple or mango or eggs or so sprouts, sprouts or none of that in your boils at the restaurant. I like to keep it really simple, just
2: to keep my inventory low and simple, um, and just keep it just super
1: super traditional. So
0: what do you what do you put in yours at the restaurant? Because you gotta have something. At the restaurant, I like corn sausage
1: potatoes. Now, the personal, the super secret. Yeah, what do you, what do, you now, do at your house? What do you now do? Now, if I'm doing
2: it at my house or it's a catering event where people say, like, I'll throw anything in there. Mm-hmm. Artichokes. Mm-hmm. Brussels mm-hmm. sprouts. Yeah, Brussels sprouts. Sweet, sweet potatoes. Mushrooms. Mushrooms, mushrooms of yeah. course. Edamame. Green yeah, ademame, I've beans. I have never seen no, that's edamame.
0: That's a good, that's oh, a good idea. Pineapple's great. Oh, I love pineapple. Yeah. and crawfish, bro. Uh,
1: man, you could, I mean, it's just. Is there one thing that is just too far for you? Is there just like, no. Just don't, don't do that in a crawfish boil.
2: Man, the sky's the limit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think my favorite one of all time was somebody told me this one time when we tried it, and it was great. But uh, between like a second and third boil, throw in a rack of baby back ribs or spare ribs. Let <laughs> those boil up and then like throw them on the grill and make a barbecue sauce out of crawfish water and just glaze them like that. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds amazing. That sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah, right? So there we go. Barbecue ribs at Clessy's. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jason
2: uh Sy, the, Uh he does the Sunday boils at the Maple Leaf. Oh yeah. Rabbit mm-hmm. Hearts. Yeah, he praises. throws in Ooh. like all sorts of stuff. Like, like you said, like rabbits mm-hmm. and like uh, man, like he he he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. In fact, he's like he's almost like a mentor to me. Uh, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys in the crawfish game we're all trying to Keep a nice network of friendliness, mm-hmm. nobody's out to back you know stab each other, and yeah, so we all
1: get along pretty good, cool yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much a good place to wrap up at this point. Yeah, um, I think so. Right on. We always like to uh, finish off with parting shots for real quick. It catches our guests off guard a little bit. Uh, it's a good time for them to talk about like where their establishment is and uh, you know just kind of like a yeah, little, what's what's little coming up thing.
0: in season? You got crawfish, I guess, is still around a little bit right now. But uh, what else you got fresh right now?
2: Well, we're, we're about to get in crabs, uh, shrimp. We, can't, we, we always have the fried shrimp, and our fried catfish are award-winning fried catfish. really,
1: really good fried catfish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to gloat on that for a moment. We were voted best catfish in the greater New Orleans area by <laughs> NOLA.com. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're, we're, we're doing lunch specials now. Smothered chicken with white beans, a with jambalaya, a with, uh, catfish with a plate with a green salad. You know, stuff to facilitate us, to get us through uh, the summertime. We're also starting our snowballs are back. Oh, we have nice. classy snowballs. Any
0: crazy flavors?
2: No. Uh, we, we're working with some students from Jesuit, and uh, we're kind of letting them run with it. And uh, it's a cool little program we worked out with them. Uh, we have just basic, traditional flavors right now, but they're starting to bring in fun stuff like gummy worms and, you know, like all sorts of crazy stuff yeah. to throw
1: in there. Cool, right on. And where can all of our listeners find your fine establishment?
2: We are located at forty four thirteen Banks Street.
1: Cool. And your hours?
2: We are open on we're open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three o'clock till ten o'clock. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, noon till ten o'clock, and we
0: are closed on Mondays. Oh,
1: you show up on Mondays, you're gonna be a sad panda. Mm. All right, Cole, What you got for us for parting shots? About crawfish, about life in New Orleans.
0: About crawfish and life in New Orleans are are those two different things? I feel like this I don't is think so. I don't hand. think you can
1: separate them at this point. I I uh,
0: I took to the crawfish very quickly when I came down here. I used to. I grew up in D.C. real close to Maryland. And they do a lot of crab up there, and crab is a real high uh, energy level required to get a little bit of meat out. Mm, um, but, sweet, sweet meat. Man. And I, yeah, I, we we did a lot of we like we did we did shrimp boils, we did stuff like that up there. You can get a lot of seafood up out of the Chesapeake. You can't get, can't get crawfish, but I, the, a lot of the techniques are the same for not for the boil exactly, but for the, uh, for, the for shucking it, for, for getting the meat out and as soon as i came down it just i i i took to it real quick and i really like it and it's been a real big part of my new orleans experience and so yeah crawfish is crawfish is, a, is it, i don't i don't know why it's such a such a magical thing maybe it's just you pop it out, there's the meat you eat it get it on to the next one it's so quick and easy and fun and it's a group activity and i, just, I love it it's uh, it's it's part of part of that new orleans flavor you know i'm i'm really happy that you're a part of that scene too you've been a You've been a good uh, good addition to the mid-city business community. So. I'm I'm humbled. Right Steve, off. what do you got?
1: Um, yeah. You know what? The thing about crawfish is it's a, it's a full experience, and it's kind of a, a common ground thing. Like, you can't be pretty when you're eating crawfish the right way. I mean, like, anytime you meet somebody and they don't suck the heads on crawfish, it's just like you're doing it wrong, right? I mean, like, <laughs> that's where all that fat and flavor is and everything like that. It's a it's a two-part experience. If you're missing 50% of it, you're just not doing it the right way, in my humble opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh it's, it's just one of those things. It's one of those New Orleans things that's like really beautiful. Like you get down, you get dirty, and you're with everybody. And at the end of the day, it's good food. Uh, you have a couple drinks. And you get to appreciate the beautiful weather that we have when it's not a tropical cyclone storm, hurricane tornado warning outside like today. But, anywho, um, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for yeah, your time. Yeah, thanks James. for having we me. Really this was fun. It. Yeah, right, I'd like yeah. to do it again sometime. No, anyway, definitely. Sounds we'll, good. we'll run out of guests eventually and have you back <laughs> on. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, I'm Steve Yamada. I'm T. Cole Newton. And thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Around with Stephen Cole. We'll catch you next week.